Hi, this is Liz Mumper. I'm welcoming you to another episode of Kids Corner with Dr. Liz. Today, I want to talk to you about melatonin. You may have noticed that melatonin is one of the things that we include on the FLCCC protocol. Melatonin, in addition to helping with sleep, which is what most people know about it, is also an excellent antioxidant. And that makes it a helpful adjunct to therapy in chronic illnesses and illnesses like COVID, where there's a lot of oxidative stress. I want to talk to you about how to use melatonin in children today. First of all, we try to avoid using melatonin in babies. So under 12 to 18 months, they usually don't have to do melatonin and would try to avoid it. Those are the months where you want to really be teaching your children good sleep habits and teaching them how to put themselves to sleep without relying on you. In children in the two to five age range, they may benefit from melatonin. But again, we would always do sleep hygiene first. Those are things like having a very set routine, using Epsom salts baths, having the room be plenty dark, and maybe using some white noise. Those are part of the sleep strategies we talked about in another kid's corner about sleep and baby. In older children in the two to five age range, I would usually be using doses in the 0.5 to point range. And most kids, even as they get to be elementary school age, will do well at those doses. Once you get to adolescence, sometimes we'll use three milligrams, sometimes five, occasionally as much as 10 milligrams to help induce sleep. Now, there's a crucial thing to know about melatonin, which is that there are short-acting forms and long-acting forms. The short-acting form will help your child get to sleep, but it won't help your child stay asleep through the night. And in fact, it'll wear off usually around two in the morning and the child might wake up or some kids have nightmares with melatonin that actually interferes with sleep. So if your child falls in that category, melatonin may not be the answer. If you want to use the long-acting form, you have to be sure that your child is not going to chew it up because that will release all the melatonin at once and get rid of the long-acting action. But if your child can swallow a pill and you can do a long-acting preparation, that one is less likely to be associated with the 2 a.m. night awakening. It's usually very well tolerated. Occasionally, we'll get a child that gets a headache from it or some dizziness, but that's actually quite rare. Occasionally, some nausea, as can happen with any medicine that we give to children. Probably the biggest side effect is that some kids, if they take melatonin at night, are just drowsy the next morning. And that's something that you can be on the lookout for. So there's some interesting uses of melatonin. One is to help blind people establish a circadian rhythm. If you think about it, for the blind, it's always dark. And so they don't get the normal cues that the rest of us get when we see light and wake up naturally. So that's an excellent use of melatonin. Sometimes kids develop what we call a delayed sleep-wake pattern where they go to bed later and later. You see this a lot in teenagers, and then they end up sleeping too late in the morning and missing school. You can use melatonin to gradually dial that back 
by giving earlier and earlier bedtimes in 15-minute increments. And I would give the melatonin about 30 minutes before you want your child to fall asleep. That's usually about how long it takes to really start working. In kids that have poor sleep and just can't fall asleep, we call that long sleep latency that can be associated with insomnia. Melatonin can be helpful. And as we age, our melatonin levels fall. So there is a potential benefit in using melatonin in the elderly. Sometimes we can use melatonin for people who do shift work and their jobs require them to be up at night. Melatonin can help overcome the daytime light stimuli to stay awake and maybe help them sleep during their time off. Another thing it can help with is jet lag. Sleep disorders in children, especially those with disabilities, can benefit from melatonin. It actually made the top three of interventions that parents reported to the Autism Research Institute help children with autism. And so that was how I first got used to using melatonin in children to promote sleep. Sometimes we use it in kids who are on ADHD medications because they tend to be stimulating and can interfere with bedtime. Of course, ideally, we would do other things to promote your child's attention without resorting to medications. And maybe we can talk about that at a future Kids Corner. Good bedtime habits always should be incorporated before you think about doing melatonin. This includes things like no screen time for at least an hour and a half before bed and doing a relaxing ritual before bedtime to prepare your child for sleep. Now, it's possible that some medications your child is on might interfere with melatonin. One common thing that can interfere is any kind of anticoagulant or antiplatelet drug that's trying to prevent blood clotting. Fortunately, these meds are not used very often in children, so it rarely comes up in my population. Anticonvulsants, which are medications that are used for seizures, sometimes melatonin inhibits the effects of these medications partially. And so there's a risk that the child might have an increased frequency of seizures if they're on melatonin. Blood pressure drugs are sometimes less effective and the blood pressure can go up if people are taking melatonin. Again, fortunately, this is not a big issue in children. Central nervous system depressants can make the sleepiness associated with melatonin worse. And alcohol and melatonin is a bad combination, and that can frequently lead to excess sleepiness the next day, which prevents people from functioning well. Melatonin can do some changes on blood sugar for people with diabetes on diabetes medication. And fluvoxamine, which is actually on the FLCCC protocol, theoretically has a interaction with melatonin where there can be more more drowsiness that the two were taken together. Usually this can be averted by doing relatively low doses of melatonin. And then the last thing is that if people are on immunosuppressants, these would be people that, for example, have just had a kidney transplant, melatonin can interfere with those medications. So sleep is really important for lots of factors in the body including detoxification. This is when your liver works hard to get rid of the toxins you were exposed to during the day. This is when your child's memories and learning are consolidated in the hippocampus with the help of vitamin D. And so it's important to encourage good sleep if you want your child to be alert and do well in school. And then obesity is also much more common in people that do not have adequate sleep patterns. 
So think about good sleep as a way to prevent obesity, which unfortunately in my state of Virginia, 30% of kids now are either overweight or obese. And some of it is perpetuated by the fact that they stay on screens too long and end up playing video games when they should be sleeping. There is a reason that prisoners are subjected to sleep deprivation as a form of torture. It does make you go kind of crazy after a while, and it's very hard for most people to go for more than 36 hours without sleep. But even frequently interrupted sleep, where you never Never get more than about four hours at a time, which is common in parents with toddlers and babies can be very disruptive to your normal functioning. So my advice is to work hard to establish good sleep patterns in your children when they're babies and toddlers and develop a lifelong skill that will give them good sleep habits for good. And with that, I'm closing this episode of Kids Corner with Dr. Liz. I will see you next time. Bye.